You're listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. And welcome to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. I am your host, Richard Franzi, and this is podcast episode number 1,274. And it's our 1,587th interview. We've been on the air since March of 2009, and we're the longest-running business podcast in Orange County, California. Assembly Bill 5 is one of the most destructive bills passed by the California legislature in recent history. State Assemblyman Jay Obernolte of the 33rd District has authored AB 1925, a bill that will exempt small businesses from the law. I've invited Jay to come on the show to discuss the impact of AB5 and then how AB1925 can help California's small businesses. If you'd like to learn more about this radio show podcast or my role as a business mentor here in Orange County, California, then visit our company's website, criticalmass4business.com. It gives me great pleasure to welcome Jay to the show. Jay, welcome to Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. Well, thank you very much. It's an honor to be here. Well, I understand that you are an entrepreneur and have been, in addition to representing the 33rd Assembly District. Uh, can you talk about how being a business owner is influencing you as a state assemblyman? Oh, absolutely. So I've been an entrepreneur a lot longer than I've been in public service. I actually started a company developing video games out of my dorm room at Caltech 30 years ago, and I've run it ever since. I still have 26 employees today in our studio in Big Bear Lake. So uh, that's uh, 30 years of business experience has taught me a lot about uh, what creates prosperity in California, how we can grow employment and wages in California, and how our businesses can best compete with other states and other countries. So that really influences and colors my views as a legislator. So for those of you, because we have an international audience who may not be aware of what Big Bear California is like, let me just say for those of you that know a mountain resort city where they're skiing and water sports in the summer, that's kind of Big Bear and Big Bear Lake. So what a great place to domicile your business, Jay. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's uh, we have, put it this way, we have excellent employee retention as a result of our location. <laughs> it's a wonderful place to live and raise families. So you're a successful entrepreneur. You've scaled a technology company. Why did you decide to run for elected office? Actually, you know, kind of happened by accident. Uh, I, as a hobby, I'm a flight instructor, and I love to fly light aircraft. And so I've been a tenant at our little airport in Big Bear, for the whole 25 years that I've lived there, and our airport is a California special district, which means it's governed by a board of directors who are elected. And so I, I wanted to take more of a leadership role at the airport, and to do that, I had to run for office. So uh, once I got on the board, I found it really suited me, and uh, that led to a whole uh, second career for me in public service. So I went from that uh, five years on the board of directors, three terms as president, and then four years on the Big Bear Lake City Council, then two terms as mayor of the city of Big Bear Lake, and now I'm just finishing my third term in the California State Legislature. So one last question about that, just because I'm I'm curious. What are the demands between, I mean, I know a lot of business owners who are running companies, and it's a full-time job, Jay. So how do you manage the demands of, of both of those positions that you hold? That's an excellent point, and I'm very lucky that I've got a vice president that is uh, very capable of running all the day-to-day aspects of the business because I'm frankly lucky to get into the business uh, one day every couple weeks. 
Uh, being a member of the legislature is a full-time plus job, and it's a responsibility I take very seriously. And uh, you know, that's, it really is a 24/7 position. So, uh, so yeah, I'm lucky that I've uh, I've got the local people that can run things while I'm not there. All right. So uh, I I was excited when in the Orange County Register. I read about AB 1925. I immediately reached out to you. You were gracious enough to agree to be on the show. And here we are probably a month later talking to you about your legislation. But before we get to AB 25, let's talk about Assembly Bill 5. And why, in your opinion, does it need to be changed and addressed specifically as it relates to small business? Well, as you said in the introduction, AB 5, I think is the most destructive business bill that has been passed in the legislature in my six years uh, serving in the assembly uh, because of the way it rewrites the rules for employee classification. And uh, I am particularly concerned about its effect on small business and its effect on entrepreneurialism in California. Uh, I can tell you with certainty, having started a business, that I would not own a business in California today if AB5 had been the law of the land when I started my company because uh, as we scaled up, we, we did it by hiring contractors to do the things that we weren't good at, at doing as a core competency. And then as we got big enough to have a steady enough book of business that we could afford to bring people on staff, we did that. And so we've gotten to the point now where all of our development is done by employees and none of it is contracted. But there's no way we could have scaled if that had been the case. I mean, I was, I was a kid in a college dorm room. I didn't know about about. Uh, wage orders and posting requirements and workers' compensation insurance and, you know, the thousand other things that business owners have to contend with when they have employees. So, uh, you know, that, that's one of the reasons why it's so destructive and one of the reasons why I think that small businesses and uh, protecting entrepreneurialism have to be part of the solution. So, Jay, take us inside the hallowed chambers of the California State Legislature. When AB5 was moving through the legal process, what was the energy in the room? And can you give us kind of behind the curtain, what was the debate like that led up to this bill being passed? Well, it was an intense debate last year, and uh, it uh, was, was extremely emotional. Uh, it, it turned it kind of devolved into an argument between those of us who were pointing out the disastrous effects it was going to have on business in California and those those of the legislature that were more concerned about uh, employee protections and uh, frankly the labor movement and making sure that the ranks of employees were growing and the ranks of contractors were shrinking and unfortunately uh, those are the forces that ran out and the bill was was very narrowly passed but it was passed. And maybe maybe we need to take a step back for a second before we get to 19 your bill. Maybe we could just, in a general sense, if you're comfortable with it, explain to those uh, maybe maybe uh, listeners who aren't in Southern California or in California, what does AB five do to a business as far as it relates to independent contractors? Sure. So you know the the uh, there has to be a legal basis for whether or not a business is forced to classify a worker as an employee or whether or not they can be an independent contractor. And for the last several decades, that test has been governed by something called the Borrello test in California. And the Borrello test is uh, kind of complex, but it boils down to who has control over the work that that worker is doing. So if you are working 
uh, on the employees, the company's premises, you're working with their equipment. If you're getting paid by the hour and they're telling you what to do and how to do it, then then you should be classified as an employee. But Borello says that if you're doing work off-site, if you're using your own equipment, if you have multiple clients that you're working for, if you're getting paid for your work and not your time, and you're setting the rates for that work, then then you're a, you can be classified as a contractor. So that's been the law of the land for decades, and it's, it's actually a very fair way of doing classification. So AB5 completely upends that model. It throws out Borello, and it imposes a new what we call ABC test on uh, businesses to figure out whether or not uh, they uh, they can classify a worker as a uh, contractor, and uh, the the old control test is still there. That's the A pillar, but the B pillar is the really destructive one. It says that uh, the uh, for that for a worker to be classified as an independent contractor, they have to be doing work that is unrelated to the core work that the business does. So, I mean, if you apply that to my business as a video game development studio, we used to, when we first started, we used to outsource and contract out the creation of music and sound effects for our video games, because that's not not something that we had a, a core competency in. But if you think about it, I mean, doing music for a video game is related to the core business of developing video games, and so that would be illegal under AB5. And then the C, the C test is, is also destructive. It says that... Uh, to be classified as an independent contractor, they have to be a, a fully involved in the business of whatever they are doing. So that means that they have to be—they uh, have to have a business license. They have to be maybe incorporated or have a uh, doing business as uh, filed with the Secretary of State. They have to file business taxes. You know, they have to be a, a fully fledged business, which is very different than a lot of workers in California uh, choose to do business as. So. I mean, what it boils down to is that, that there are many of us in Sacramento that feel very strongly people have, ought to have the right to work however they want to work. And it's not fair for the state of California to go disrupt a business model and say to a worker, you're not allowed to be a contractor anymore. You must be an employee. So we're talking with Jay Elbornolte. He is California Assemblyman for the 33rd District, and we're talking about both AB5, which passed last year and was signed by our governor, and then a piece of legislation that he's proposing called AB1925. And we're going to get to that in a minute, Jay. But I'm just wondering, I wrote a, I, my third book is on the unintended consequences, and I'm just wondering, being in Sacramento now, this is beginning of March, has there been a recognition within the, the assembly, within the elected officials, that maybe there were some unintended consequences of this bill, AB5? Oh, absolutely. And you know what? I actually think, being a little bit of, a little cynical, uh, I think that they weren't unintended. I think that most people just didn't realize when they voted on the bill that those would be the consequences, even though we were telling them what the consequences would be. And um, unfortunately, we were absolutely right. And uh, you're seeing many, many different industries uh, get affected that were not part of the original intent of the bill. You know, in particular, I, I want to talk about uh, one of the ways that the bill was passed that I really disagree with, which is that if you read the bill, it's, it's about 20 pages long. I'm talking about AB5. And the first couple of pages say, these are the new rules for worker classification in California, for all businesses in California. And then the next 18 pages are exemption after exemption after exemption for individual industries. So they say, you know, except for cosmetologists, here are the rules for them. Except for real estate brokers, here are the rules for them. Except for commercial fishermen, here are the rules for them. And the list goes on and on. So basically any business that was savvy enough to hire a good lawyer got themselves an exemption written, and the, work, the businesses that, you know, didn't have that political power 
uh, didn't. And uh, I think that's the opposite way that legislation should be passed. We should be doing things to solve problems that are holistic, where we can just say simply, here are the new rules, and not grant exceptions on a case-by-case basis. You know, there was a lot. I, I mentor small business owners here in Southern California, Jay, and there was a lot of um, conversation about this uh, impending insulation. There was a lot of talk about Dynamex, and that's the Supreme Court law that kind of set the precedent, I think, in some ways for this piece of legislation. But nonetheless, there was a lot of concern. But in the media, there was a lot of coverage of companies like Lyft and Uber and these other kind of business models that totally don't relate to the kind of business that generally small and mid-sized businesses that are in the critical mass community here in Orange County, Southern California, are involved in. So I'm, I, I'm, I was excited to read about AB 1925. So can we shift our focus now and sort of talk about what what's the main idea? Why are you proposing this legislation? And if passed, what will it do? Well, I, what I'm trying to do is, uh, in small part, undo some of the harm that AB5 has done, particularly to small businesses and to entrepreneurialism. So what AB1925 does is it creates an exemption from AB5, the ABC test in AB5, for small businesses. And a small business is defined uh, in the same way it's defined elsewhere in state code. You have to be independently owned and operated. Uh, you can't be dominant in your field of operation. You have to have fewer than 100 employees and average gross receipts of less than $15 million over the past three years. And if you uh, if you fall into that category, then you the old Borello test would still apply to the classification of your workers. So that's what's currently in the bill. And that is a large number of companies that fall in that category. Yes, absolutely. And you know what? The It really fixes the most egregious problems that are caused by AP5. It certainly is not uh, fix all of the problems in AP5. It doesn't apply to all the businesses that uh, that need to have relief for a- under AP5. But what it does do is it keeps businesses from going out of business. And that uh, is one of the things that I have seen a lot of. In fact, I can give you personal examples. I mean, like uh, probably a dozen from my district of constituents of mine that have either closed their businesses or moved their businesses to other states as a direct result of AB5. It's horrifying what's occurring. That's what I was going to ask you, because I've seen that here in Orange County. It is almost um, to the breaking point. The, the, The impact that it has on the financial viability of some of these smaller companies when they start to model what they would have to do to go from an independent contractor model to a part-time employer, whatever it might be. So I was going to ask you about what you're hearing from your constituents. What's the process? Because, you know, many of the people that are listening are small business owners. They may not understand the process that a bill goes through in Sacramento for the, the bill that you're sponsoring. So where is 1925 now? And without getting too wonky on us, Jay, where does it go from here, and how does it get to the point where it may or may not get voted on? Well, so when a bill is introduced... It goes to the Committee on Rules, and the Rules Committee decides what policy committees a bill is going to be referred to. So in the case of 1925, it's been referred to the Committee on Labor, along with a large number of other bills that affect different parts of AB5, most of them in good ways. So uh, the next step would be for that committee to have a hearing on 1925 and the other bills. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if that hearing was a consolidated hearing, a special hearing, just to hear the bills that affect AB5. So that is going to be at the uh, the discretion of the chairman of the Labor Committee. And uh, our policy committees are just now starting to meet. We had our bill introduction deadline a couple of weeks ago. 
Uh, the spot bill deadline is coming up in a couple of weeks, and once that key deadline has passed, that means that all the bills that pertain to certain subjects are going to be known, and then our policy committees are going to start meeting. So I would imagine to expect a hearing on this within the next, oh, I would say six or eight weeks. And then what? what's next? Well, should the bill pass out of the Labor Committee, it will be referred probably in this case to uh, the Committee on Appropriations. Uh, every bill is uh, is keyed whether or not it affects the finances of the state of California. And if it does, we call it a keyed fiscal. And that means that it will also have to pass through the Appropriations Committee before it goes to the Assembly floor. So after it passed out of Appropriations, it would go to the Assembly floor for a vote, a full vote of all the membership of the Assembly. And should it pass then, that it will go over to the Senate, and then the whole process starts over again uh, in Senate Policy Committee. So in a range of time, in your experience in Sacramento, how long do these bills take to go from where yours is today to getting to the Senate and getting voted on? Well, uh, it would be so I would imagine we're talking about a hearing in labor in the next six to eight weeks. Uh, then it will go to appropriations, probably on the suspense file, and the suspense deadline is usually in June, uh, which means it'll be uh, it'll be voted on. Uh, yeah, actually, I think the suspense deadline is uh, is end of April. So and then uh, it'd be referred to the floor of the assembly probably in May, and then uh, pass over in the Senate. And then the whole process starts over again. Uh, if we succeed in getting out of the Senate, it would probably be placed on the governor's desk for his signature. I would say in September. The legislature has to adjourn this year by the end of August. So, so uh, Jay, I, I'm curious. You mentioned that there may there are other pieces of legislation that are being authored by other assembly men and women to attack or at least to address parts of AB5. Any sense for how many of those there may be? Oh, well, we have a whole list of them, and we can provide it to you, but uh, it's, you know, if, if you count Senate bills, you know, so Assembly bills are proposed by members of the Assembly, Senate bills are proposed by members of the Senate. If you include Senate bills, we're looking at probably several dozen of them. Uh, I would be very surprised if all of them were heard individually. I think probably what's going to happen is if uh, we can build enough support for the case that AB5 needs to be reformed, that maybe uh, a couple of these bills get used as vehicles for all of the fixes that need to get done, because I could give you a list of, of other things that need to be done to AB5. For example, uh, that business-to-business exemption that I mentioned, that needs to be clarified because it's very vague in the bill right now. Uh, I think we need an exemption for highly skilled employees, the, way, the same way that the labor, the wage code has that would apply the Borello test instead of the new ABC test. Uh, I think we definitely need to create a safe harbor so that out-of-state companies don't abandon their contracts with California businesses as a, uh, out of fear for being exposed to liability under AB5, which is what is occurring right now. I mean, we're seeing a, uh, a drop-off in uh, out-of-state companies that are willing to employ California businesses. Um, and I also think we, we talked about that B-pillar, you know, the, the usual course of business part of AB5, I think that that needs to be redefined because it's not defined in the bill right now, which just leaves it open to interpretation. Uh, and so I really think we need to tunnel down on that. So those are all things that I think need to get done, and I'm hopeful that maybe uh, we'll, we'll pick one of the, the bills that's going through and maybe amend all that stuff in so that we can just have one conversation and build up support for it. So, Jay, this is a business show. This isn't a political show, and, and to me, we don't, we don't, we're agnostic here. But I'm just wondering, are you seeing general bipartisan support for some of these and for your bill in particular or not? Well, you know, it's interesting. The, the employment law is obviously a bipartisan issue. 
if you look at the vote on AB5, it was pretty partisan. It was uh, the, the members of the Republican Party typically voted against it. Members of the Democratic Party typically voted for it. But the desire to fix it, I think, is universal. And so uh, I'm, I'm kind of cautiously optimistic that we're going to be able to build some bipartisan support for a solution in whatever form that takes. But uh, certainly members of all parties have been hearing about constituents in their districts who are closing businesses or relocating businesses as a result, direct result of what AB5 has done. And I, I don't think any of us can ignore that. Yeah, I think um, uh, small business and businesses in California have been met with a pretty stiff amount of challenges to run their businesses effectively and stay out of trouble and be compliant with, with laws. It feels like to me that this one, AB5, is different than anything else in the, in the years that I've been doing this here in Southern California. The breadth and depth of the impact on the business community. This one, to me, is exceptional in in its negative impact on business and the and what it's doing. And it's not really feeling like it's doing what it was intended to do, which was to look out for workers' rights, etc. It just feels to me that it was a sledgehammer when a scalpel was needed, and that's very unfortunate for the businesses that are trying to figure out, you know, how is this going to resolve itself if it resolves itself in a different way. Right. I, I completely agree with you. You know, usually there's a lot of hyperbole that goes on when bills are argued. And when we were arguing against AB5 last year, we said, hey, be careful because these are the things that are going to happen. These are going to be the unintended consequences if you pass this. And I think a lot of the members of the legislature didn't believe that and went ahead and voted for it. And now they're seeing that it's actually worse than, uh, you know, the case that we made. So the worst scenario that we laid out. So, uh, I mean, I think a lot of people are taking that very seriously because this is really affecting the competitiveness of California businesses. It's affecting entrepreneurialism in California, and uh, it's something that really, really has to be fixed. So I've been uh, notifying the members of the critical mass community in Southern California to be on alert that you were going to be on the show, and that's specifically through the newsletter alerting people. Uh, I got a sense for how does my community and other business leaders and business owners in California, what can they do to positively impact the likelihood that 1925 gets its day in the sunlight? Okay, well, I'll, I'll tell you the things that are absolutely most effective is to contract your representative, both, you have two, you have a representative in the Assembly and you have a representative in the Senate. So talk to your Assembly member and talk to your Senator. Reach out directly to their district office and let them know the impact that AB5 is having on your business and how badly it needs to be fixed. Because I'll tell you, we get... Uh, when, when someone introduces a bill, you get feedback from all over the state, but the feedback that you take most seriously are the feedback from the constituents that you represent. So that is absolutely the most effective thing that you can do. And, and that's, that's part of being an engaged citizenry, right, is to talk with your elected representatives about the impact that, that their, their job is having on your life. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's, uh, I tell every business owner, you ought to have a personal relationship with your representatives, your, uh, your member of the assembly, your senator, uh, and your congressman. You should have personal relationships with all three of those uh, entities because of the impact that they have on what you do. And, you know, we need to make sure that the business community has their voice heard, and that's the way that you do it. And you know, I'll, I'll tell you this, most members of the legislature uh, are very open to having those relationships and will move heaven and earth to 
if you want to have a meeting, you know, to, to arrange a meeting for you, or if you want to have a phone conversation to do that, you will you will almost always succeed if you call your uh, your representative and try and make an appointment with an open mind with their district office. So, so Jay, it's my understanding that uh, a California Assemblyman has a pretty large constituent base because of the size and population of California relative to maybe other states that are more thin, thinly populated. So on one side, you have a big constituent base, generally speaking. But on the other side, like anything, there's only a small percentage of any large concentration of people who actually get active and, and make the effort to make these relationships work. Is, is that fair to say? I mean, while you have a large constituency, it, it, there's a lot of them or very few of them that were willing to pick up the phone, send a letter, send an email, or, or build a relationship with their assembly person. Absolutely. Uh, I represent approximately half a million people, as do all other members of the Assembly. Every member of the Senate, the Senate districts are twice as big, so they represent a million people each. And in California, uh, members of Congress represent, uh, in between the two, about three-quarters of a million people. So lots, you know, very large constituency, but, you know, it, it, it doesn't, it, there are a very few, a small percentage are willing to take the time to pick up the phone and call the district office, and even smaller percentage are willing to take the time to go to the district office and meet with their representative, which astonishes me. I mean, I have a rule in my district that anyone that wants a meeting with me gets one. And it might take us a couple of weeks to work out the schedule since most of the year I'm in Sacramento four days a week. But, uh, you know, that, that's something that we're able to do, even though I represent half a million people, because so few people are willing to take the time and energy to do that. So if... if my hope is that we have gotten a little bit of a movement going in support of 1925 and maybe some other related uh, assembly bills and Senate bills that might help to clarify this AB5 law. How do people stay aware of the progress of your bill and these other bills that they might become interested in? Well, certainly for my bills, you can uh, you can connect with me on social media. We give people regular updates. My Twitter handle is at jopenolte, so it's spelled J-A-Y. O-B-E-R-N-O-L-T-E. And on Facebook, it's at Assemblyman Obernolte. Um, or you can go on the State of California website. Uh, every assembly district has its own web page, and uh, you can sign up for uh, with your email address for, for uh, email updates, which we give out regularly. So that for 1925, that's the best way of, of staying connected. But uh, as I said, please, 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 if you own a business, if you're involved in business and you want to get connected, uh, please build a relationship with your representatives because that's how you're going to be an effective voice. I want to thank you for being a friend of the program, uh, and now a part of the critical mass community. I was so excited when I was reading the Orange County Register on that Sunday in the opinion section about your bill. I'm like, hallelujah, I need to reach out to this person because I, I need to see if we can do anything to help him. Because this, I, I thank you for fighting what I think is, frankly, a good fight for uh, small business owners throughout California. They're such a critical part of the ecosystem here, and they employ so many people in aggregate. Uh, a healthy small business community is vital, I think, to a continuing living the lifestyle that we've become accustomed to in Southern California and California in general. So thank you, Jay. Well, absolutely, and it's, I'm happy to do it. It's a privilege for me to be in a position where I can be a voice for small business and the business community, and that's uh, certainly something I'm going to continue to do with uh, with the help of uh, all of your uh, listeners. Well, should you have any other future legislation that you believe small business owners need to be aware of, either that you're authoring or that you're a part of and you, you support, uh, have your office get in touch with me. You're always welcome to come back on the program and to share what you're working on. 
Well, thanks. I really appreciate it. I've enjoyed being here, and uh, yeah, definitely let's let's keep the business community informed of what's going on. Yeah, and how great to have you on Super Tuesday, which yes. is, you know it's like a coincidence, but it's kind of awesome. So, uh, thank you again for being a friend and a part of our community, Jay. Absolutely, it's, a, it's an honor to be here. Okay, goodbye. I'd like to thank our engineer for today, Paul Roberts, and our wonderful producers without whom we could not do this show each and every week. Joan Park, Crystal Nunley, and our newest producer who's off camera right over here, Vanessa Holland. If you'd like to connect with me, I would ask that you uh, start on LinkedIn. I'm Richard Franzi, F-R-A-N-Z-I. And until the next show, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi.